This is Living Real Radio. Real issues in real time with your host, John Angotti and Greg Walton. Living Real Radio is brought to you by Closets by Design. Imagine your home totally organized. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 615-261-8700. That's 615-261-8700. Good morning. Welcome to Living Real Radio. I'm your host, John Angotti, with my co-host, Greg Walton, today. Greg, we've, it's been a minute since we've kind of done one together, it seems like. I know. You were on vacation. I was on vacation. and but I don't have vacations. I work. There is well, no you, there is really no vacation when you when you you go out you, you're yeah yeah it's a working vacation yes if anybody wants to give me their condo for a week i'll gladly take it you can just email me text it. me that's right and i'll go down there and work <laughs> <laughs> that's all we do and uh today we're back in action with us he was on last week but today he's on as an artist today we have brian conley brian timothy conley to be exact yeah, it's and uh, BTC. That's what we're gonna have to start calling you. Brian oh my Smith. gosh, BTC, BTC. And, and, that's and not it, like a texting thing, right? Like we're not we're not doing anything gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that I know of. No, okay, okay, just double. I can pick it. my nose if you'd like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But uh, today uh, is uh, a big day for Brian because uh, today. It's Friday. This is being recorded, but it's also the day that Brian is debuting his single, "The Best Is Yet to Come," that uh, debuts today. Right? It hits the. Yes, sir. It's the airways today. It does. People can get this on all the social media platforms, and we're going to play it again today. Sweet. The best is yet to come, and uh, I actually know the story behind this song. And it's a great story. So uh, tell us the story behind the song before we get into you personally, Brian. Yeah. And and I'll just, so every time I've tried to tell it, I don't know, I, I it gets a little, I don't, I don't know. Basically what I'm trying to say is uh, the, the person I wrote it with actually posted about it yesterday and she summed it up a lot better than I could. Uh, but this is what she said. She said, I'm so excited for my dear friend Brian in the release of his single to the world tomorrow. This was the first song I wrote after my dad passed away and Brian's first song after his aunt passed away. When we got together to write, our hearts were weary from grief, uh, but we both just wanted to write about heaven and hope and all that we have to look forward to that. Um, and then she goes on to to brag about how good it sounds, which I'm not going to read. <laughs> It's always weird to brag on yourself. Uh, but yeah, that was that was her side of it. Basically what had happened was um, we had this writing session in the books. We were ready to go. And then really shortly after each other, she, she lost her dad first. And then shortly after, I lost my aunt. Um, and I didn't even realize this but, uh, until a couple days ago. But uh, one of the guys who's on it, Massimo, uh, actually lost his grandpa the next day. So all three of us, and he's on it, um, but all three of us really lost somebody really, really uh, close to each other. And, you know, we we started writing, and it was just not a great mood atmosphere. I don't think either of us wanted to do it. Um, and then as we dove into this idea of, well, hey, what if our hope's not supposed to be, you know, in today or in this world? What if it's in the next 
uh, and what Jesus has for us after this life. So that's what we wrote about. Um, certainly listening to it and what it sounds like, you wouldn't assume that's the story behind it. Uh, but that's it. It's It just came from a time of trials and loss for both of us. And this song's what what sprang out. That's great. It's 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 yeah. a great song. And, and I say we just jump in and play it. <laughs> Sweet. And then we'll come back to what you say, Greg. All right, let's do it. All right, here's the best is yet to come by Brian Conley. We'll be right back. You're listening to Living Real Radio on Hippie Radio 94.5.
Welcome back to Living Real Radio. Greg Walton here with John and Gotting. We're interviewing Brian Conley. And uh, we just listened to his new single, which is uh, was just released on Friday, The Best Is Yet To Come. And uh, Brian, you know, Brian is a producer um, and also leads our 5 p.m. choir. And uh, you said, um, did Massimo play on this single? He was did. He... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we featured we did a little feature on you guys doing the tribute to uh, uh, Steve Perry, you know? Yeah, uh, lights, and so uh, with our interview of Joe Lacosto, and Joe was just freaking out because he didn't know that Massimo sang, and he's like, "You've been holding out on me," you know? So, yeah, <laughs> but um, I just love it that this pool of uh, creativity, um, and it's not unusual, Franklin being Franklin, right? That you're going to have industry people intersect with your community. But uh, it's just so great to see things just coming out of the our faith family, you know, because you're part of this family. And um, that's exciting. Also, I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole here. I, can, I think I counted the guitars that are behind you. He's got just like a wall uh, oh, no. on the left and the right. I, I thought I he was at Guitar 17, Center. There's 17 <laughs> guitars. <laughs> That's what I counted. How many? Am I right? Well, uh, from what you can see in the camera, yes. Yes. From uh, what you can an, see in the camera. There's another rack <laughs> behind the camera that has another six. And then right here, I know the people just listening can't see this, but they're, right he's here. He's pointing above his head. I have. <laughs> they're hanging from the ceiling. There's, there's, <laughs> They actually are. There's five acoustics hanging right there, but you can't quite see them. Yeah. Uh, and then my guest room has another, oh, shoot, five, six? Yeah. I don't know. That's So people people always ask, like, hey, Brian, why do you have so many guitars? Um, honestly, like, when I go out and play, I could narrow all of these down to, like, three or four. Um, but just working in a studio all the time, I'll get people to come over to record that don't have instruments. And 10 times out of 10, they show up and they immediately gravitate towards the ones that like I personally would never play. So like all of them get used, maybe not by me, but it's it's just to try to give my clients the best uh, possibilities for, for the sound they want. It's yeah. your back line. Yeah, this is my back sense. line. Yeah. Because I mm -hmm. live too far from anybody to actually backline from me. Back line, by the way, folks, uh, our industry people will know this, but it's basically when you're Usually when you're playing a concert, the production company will, you know, provide amps and instruments and things like that. Sometimes it's called backline and, but studios need to have a plethora of instruments to provide, like you were just saying for. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of those in there are just for show, right? Though some of those are, I'm sure you have some novelty items. This one, guitars. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah you know, you got to have the, the novelty things. Yeah. yeah. I bought Ladies one gentlemen. Uh -huh. The uh, the one that I'm pointing to is a all it's like a black on black on black Gibson Explorer. Which if you don't know what that is, just imagine like really bad '80s hair metal. And then mm -hmm. remember that I play like a church. lightning bolt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got one of those lightning bolt ones, you know, from the Van Halen days. You got one of. Um, I I don't have like the lightning bolt one, but I do have a Van Halen one. Right, you can kind of see the paint right there. Oh, yeah, look at you pointing it out like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got like the 80, like, uh, I don't know, the electrical tape vibe yeah, thing going on. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. 
<laughs> well, you know, Brian's from Illinois. He's from a town of about 30. And uh, Glenarm, Illinois. Oh, he got it. Yeah. Glenarm. And uh, did they ever call it like armpit? Glenarm pit? Yes. Oh, my gosh. A, a lot. I, I, yeah, I figured. But anyway, it's a lovely little town outside of uh, Springfield, Illinois. And um, growing up, did you grow up with a guitar in your hand? Was music something automatic? Like, I know your dad plays bass, but he's not necessarily a, a, a musician or a grower. I don't know if he did or he didn't, but, you know, you're, you're right. Because your sister is extremely talented, too. She's an amazing singer. So how did yeah. you grow, grow up with guitar? Was that first or was other instruments first? No, I so I started on piano when I was, I think I was in kindergarten. And this is like going to be, John, you're going to hear the story and be like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense now. Um, I was taking lessons for piano. I don't know. I was probably in third or fourth grade and my mom got a call from my teacher and she was just like, I'm not teaching Brian piano anymore. I'm done. Like he's fired. And my mom was like, why, like, why would you fire a student? And she was like, so here's what happens. Um, I ask him how much he's practiced. He says none. And then I say, well, if you're so good, why don't you just play it? And he does. And he makes my blood pressure go through the roof. And my doctor says it's not healthy. So I have to fire <laughs> your son. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is a true story. So she blamed high blood pressure on me. Um, <laughs> but about that time, I got my first guitar. And, and it was that, I mean, similar situation now, John, you know, I live like basically halfway to Miami from Nashville, mm -hmm. um, you know, Illinois, I lived in the middle of a cornfield. So all my friends would be hanging out on the weekends and doing stuff. And I was just too far away. So they would be, I don't know, watching movies, whatever high schoolers do. And I just sat in a room and played guitar. Then, and so you just practice, practice, practiced, and it, did it take to a young age? It did. I was, you know, I mean, I played it just because I thought it was fun from, I was, I, I want to say I was seven when I first picked it up. Um, and I was a freshman in high school. So about 13 when I saw, it, it wasn't my first concert, but it was the first concert where the guitar was really forward. Um, and, and that was just the moment that I was like, you know what? I think this is something I'd want to do. So freshman year of high school was when I was like, you know what? The church thing, the worship thing with a guitar up front, that's what I want to do, which is a little early, but I stuck to it. What, who are some of your influences musically? Oh, gosh. Uh, John Angotti, Greg Walton. Um, yeah. Uh, no, Flatter. so that... that yeah. That first concert, so I'll say the first concert I ever went to, and you're going to hear the name and be like, he's not a guitar player at all. What the heck? But the guy who first got me into music was Phil Vassar. Oh, yeah. Uh, he played, it was the year Carrie Underwood won American Idol, and they played the Illinois State Fair. Phil Vassar was opening for Carrie. Um, and Carrie, so my sister and I tell the story very differently because she's like the biggest Carrie Underwood fan. She's like, Carrie was amazing. Phil Vassar was all right. I say Carrie was all right. Phil Vassar was amazing. Like he would like jump on the piano and play it backwards and do stuff like that, which was awesome. So he was the guy that got me into it. Um, and then my freshman year of high school, um, it was this, so his name's Lincoln Brewster. Um, 
plays plays guitar like crazy. Back when he was, I think, late teens, early 20s, he played guitar for Steve Perry uh, from Journey. But, I mean, that was the first time. And I'd been playing in, in my choir for a while, but that was the first time that I really saw somebody cut loose on guitar in a church setting, and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so Brian is phenomenal in what he does. And Brian, you know, you could play any genre. I've heard you play rock. I've heard you play country um, and Christian. And yet, you know, you choose to go down this Christian vein, this Christian uh, avenue. Why are you so passionate about uh, being a Christian artist? And why does that, what does that, you know, what, what is the call for that? Why do you feel so called for that? Yeah, I, so even though I decided, or I thought that I decided my, my freshman year of high school that worship was what I wanted to do, it was really going into college when that was cemented for me. Um, there were just a couple moments that, and John, you know where I'm going to go with this, but even before the incident that I'll talk about in a second, um, we got to the point where it, it wasn't Christian music, but we were playing original tunes, basically the house band of this well-known establishment in St. Louis. Um, and the entire time it just felt off. And then I, I hated the, like, we would get people that wanted us to sign stuff. And during solos, people would be grabbing at my legs and stuff. And I just didn't like it. It, it felt like, even though that's what everybody dreams of, for me, it, I was just so uncomfortable with it. Um, so I was wrestling with it because I was like, okay, well, the secular band that I'm in is starting to take off, um, but my heart's really in Christian music. And then senior year, just kind of out of the blue, the short version of this, um, had a had a diagnosis with cancer. They were like, you're going to need to drop out of college, um, you know, do all the chemo, radiation stuff. Um, and they're like, if you don't drop out, the stress will probably kill you. So you just need to drop out, leave everything behind. This is going to be your life now. Um, I did not drop out. I ended that semester with the highest GPA of my uh, college career. Um, but there were a lot of things in that time period where I was just like, I think God's driving me towards the church, not away from it with this. Um, I know a lot of people who've gone through similar things, and they felt like that was that was the moment that they decided that how could God let this happen to them? But for me, it was, it was, Hey, this happened to me, but look how God got me through it. So yeah, that was, that was kind of what drove me to, to Christian music. So at, uh, Brian leads our five o'clock mass and, um, it really kind of started taking off, uh, after COVID. Don't you think it did, uh, in a, terrible twist of events john put me in charge of the five o'clock two weeks before lockdown so i had two weeks with this huge group they were amazing they were killing it and then right when i started feeling like hey this is good i think we're gonna you know i think we'll be all right uh i got a text it was like hey yeah lockdown so um you need to do all the music by yourself because we can't have people in an enclosed space like this um so I was like, I shot a text back and I was like, okay, well, does family count? And they were like, well, if you've got family, uh, I, I suppose you guys can continue doing the music. So that's how I roped Cammie, my wife in, uh, and Shannon, my sister to sing. 
and then I remember I just shot a text that was like, okay, what about drums? Because they're kind of isolated from everybody else. And John was like, it's fine. You can keep Mossmo, Brian. <laughs> so yes. for, gosh, all of 2020 and probably half of 2021, it was me on guitar, uh, my wife on piano. My sister would just run the the lyric board um, and Mossmo on drums. And then as it opened back up, we got people more and more interested. And now it is what you see today. Yeah, and it, it's our five o'clock Sunday night is is uh, very contemporary, and um, I give Brian pretty much free reign to choose music. And uh, <laughs> is this your way of like washing your hands of this? You're like, okay, if we get any complaints, yeah, he's about no. He's got a bowl over there. He's washing his hands right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, in, in the Catholic world, there's all these wars based upon style and you know uh we have some folks that you know the contemporary music makes them feel uneasy maybe because it makes them feel something i don't know but you know they just don't feel it's appropriate and yet what i see uh is that what you're doing is bringing people in whom that style of music feeds you know and so, but it's very contemporary so why do you feel that that is a draw? I, so I view the contemporary music as, I, I mean, it's just another language to me, like genres of music. Some people love stuff that's piano driven. Some people love stuff that's guitar driven. Some people love classical. Some people love jazz. Um, so I, I want to view church music as that, which is if, if you just go down one hole, eventually there are going to be people that leave just because it's not for them. I don't think you should leave a church because of the music, but the sad reality is it happens. Um, so I, I love the contemporary stuff just because, especially when I was in college, I was realizing that all the people that were my age really loved listening to like K-Love and YFM and places like that. And the churches in that college town that were really booming were the ones that were like, okay, you could turn the radio on in your car and hear the same songs that you would hear at church. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I've gone that route is just if I can attract people who wouldn't otherwise go to church just because of music, I'll do it. Um, once again, I really want to stress, I don't think music should be the make or break church is much bigger than the music. Um, but there, there's a huge hole with the 20 somethings right now in the church where they're just missing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that doing this style of music might help to attract a couple of them back. You, you being 27 mm -hmm. in that age group, why do you think the majority of the 20 somethings have, have, uh, picked up and just kind of said, uh, Nah, this isn't for me today. Ooh, John, this is such a loaded question. Um, but I'm it's, gonna it's worth the dialogue. and It is worth the you dialogue. You being in the 20s, I'd like to, you know, because those of us that are older, you know, we, we try to assume without actually sometimes talking to the... the yeah. That it affects. I, anybody who listened to, to the, the radio show last week, I, I kind of touched on this, but I, I said... Um, back in the late 90s, the, the Christian world 
took their youth groups and tried to make them look as much like Disney as they could. Um, and what happened was, you know, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, kids were taken from their parents in church, put in a room where it was, we're going to sing and dance and have fun and do Disney like stuff. Um, but then what would happen was as soon as they aged out of that group, they realized that they didn't really have a place in the main church with all the adults, but they weren't allowed back in with the kids anymore because they were too old. So they would just leave, which is honestly terrible. But my generation is really the first generation who I, I don't want to use the word victim, but we're victims of that layout um, of church. So I think a, a big problem was they thought that church needed to be this big entertainment production. And then when they realized it wasn't, they left. Um, another big reason that, that I'm aware of is people just feel like it's not relevant, which is, it's terribly unfortunate if you can look at the church and what it's doing in the world and think it's unrelevant. Um, but that's just honestly the sad fact of where we're at right now. So we did this exactly a year ago today, last year. I just said that. I'm being redundant now. Um, but we recorded this on Cammy's birthday, and here we are exactly a year later. On Cammy's birthday? On Cammy's birthday. No yeah. way. Happy birthday, yep. Cammy. Yeah. And Brian, yeah. why don't we play one of the songs? Do uh, you have another song on recording? Do you have another recording song? Um yeah i have one with cammy since we were just talking about her okay great yeah the one yeah. that you and cammy did what's the name of that song yeah so that one's called hold on uh we wrote it like three weeks before lockdown happened so when you hear the message uh we definitely didn't mean for it to be like a hopeful hey covid's happening song but that's kind of what it turned into <laughs> which was awesome so yeah okay well here's hold on by Cammie and Brian Conley. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Living Real Radio on Hippie Radio 94.5. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Living Real Radio. John Angotti here with Greg Walton. And today we're talking with Brian Conley, and this is airing on Friday. And tonight, Friday night, Brian is playing in the courtyard in a concert series, and I do not think it's going to rain. I don't either. I, it I'm might not be gonna... 110. It might yeah. be 110, but it, it, it won't be rain. Brian got rained out every time last year? Yeah, so I had... I'll wrap this up really quickly. I had three shows last year that were outdoor. Everything else was indoor. Uh, The first one we got probably 20 minutes in. Actually, the next song that we were going to play was Hold On. Um, And we started like the first note and lightning struck like a block away. And I've never seen Chris from St. Philip like stand up and run and start unplugging stuff so fast in my entire life. That man tore down our entire stage in like 30 seconds and it took us an hour and a half to set up. So good job, Chris, you mm-hmm. saved a lot of gear that day. Um, and then gosh, maybe two months later, I don't think we had a single rain out, but two months later we were rescheduled and it rained from like three to five terribly. And you texted me and you were like, what's the call? Do you want to do it or do you not? And I was standing where all the people would be sitting and my feet were underwater. And I was like, John, it's not raining, but I really don't think anybody would want to be out here. Let's just go ahead and cancel it. And the band was bummed, but we all went out to eat afterwards. And right at seven o'clock when we were supposed to play, lightning struck and it just cut loose. And we didn't leave the restaurant until about 1030 because it was so bad we couldn't leave. Mm. I was like, well, I guess uh, we weren't meant to play today either. And then another two months later, I was going to play at Father Ryan, and same exact thing. Lightning struck. We were done. So three out of three shows were were cut short. Wow, I can't even sing the uh, meatloaf song. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> mine got mine oh. got rained out too, and then I had a I had a family emergency with my mom, so I, I missed my my second one. That's mm. right. Yeah, I feel sorry oh. for you guys. <laughs> I've never been rained out yet. I yeah, you didn't get rained wood. out. Yeah. And your shows weren't over like 80 either. Like over 80-year-old people? No, 80 degrees. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hot in the summer, so but anyway, so Brian tonight, what you going to be playing tonight? Oh man, a lot of stuff. We're going to so we're just going to open up strong um do some some classic rock. Uh, I'm not going to give it... Well, I guess I can give it away because this is going to be aired after the show, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so we made this killer mashup of Hold On Loosely and Hit Me With Your Best Shot. So we'll open with that. Um, and then my sister Shannon has this unbelievable country voice. So I think she's going into um, like a Carrie Underwood song. And then we were talking about Mossimo singing. Uh, Mossimo will be doing Lights tonight, which I'm Willie. excited about. Oh, yeah, he is. Wow. Oh, nice. Great. Yeah. Um, so Moss is doing Lights. Uh, we have a short acoustic set, which uh, have some surprises because, so I said today's Cammy's birthday. Tomorrow is Shannon's birthday. So oh, wow. surprising both of them in the acoustic set that they're probably going to hate me for because they hate surprises. Are you bringing out um, a cake? No, I I didn't think that far ahead. Okay. Um, just, yeah, it well, should be a good time though. We, we need to plug that for the, cause you know, these are free will offerings. Yeah. So that is. The- I, I, I'll do the plug for you tonight and I'll also put in about the birthdays and 
yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And and do you need? And diapers? do you want to carry Liam too while you're doing it? Oh yeah, it? oh yeah, I'll carry Liam, Brian's son Liam. I was gonna say, do you need diapers or anything? You know, we'll be out there with a crowd of people. We you can ask for anything while you're holding your your kid. <laughs> we well, need I'm diapers. If we asked for diapers, we'd get some used ones. Um, Unless you mean financially, which would make more sense now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you don't do it like the old days where you had diapers that you had to wash and reuse. And Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. We tried that once to save money, and when I say once, I mean like we washed it once, and we were like, nope, go into the trash. Yeah, that would be, yeah. I don't even want to talk about that. That's so disgusting. Nope. Yeah, that wasn't for us. <laughs> as, as Greg and I get older, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be looking back again at the diaper syndrome. Oh, Imagine. we're already there now. Are you on them? There does the washable are you diapers. Well, not are you me. I meant like oh. grandkids, dude. We got our oh, grandkids. You... <laughs> We're changing diapers again, John. right? I don't mean mine. I meant us getting older, you know. Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm. <laughs> you yeah. know, but uh, but we start in diapers I... and end in diapers, as you. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, uh, my daughter Sarah, her husband Austin, they do uh, they do the washable. Oh, do they? How's that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Not to be yeah. gross, but how's that work out for you? <laughs> well, it, it she, she does it. It's you know, it's a discipline. It's a lot of laundry, um, and uh, but she, they have a system, you know, and yeah, all that. You know, there's a you hook up a sprayer to the toilet tap, you know, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that, yeah, gosh, people are probably eating breakfast this morning. It's on Sunday. <laughs> We're talking. We don't about, want to get any further. Yeah, this isn't Howard Stern, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that radio show. Yeah, <laughs> Howard Stern and babies. Yeah, uh, okay. Even though I'm sure he'd be an interesting guest. Yeah, he would, he would be, be very interesting. So, speaking of uh, babies, Brian, what's mm -hmm. it like? So, Liam is one. He just turned one, right? Yeah, he just turned one. Okay. How was your first year as a father, and what have you been enlightened to this first year? that you never thought you would be. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't expect, I mean, I guess part of me always knew like, Hey, Liam's like 50% Brian, 50% Cammy. Um, but really not, not just like physically looking at him, you can tell, but his attitude is starting to get to that point where I'm like, Oh, he is totally channeling his inner Brian right now. Like I, this is happening, um, which is scary. We always want him to channel his inner Cammy, not Brian. Um, <laughs> it's you know, it's taught me a lot of patience. But when I look back, so back to what I was talking about in college, uh, when they were like, "Hey, you need to drop out of college because you know this is going to kill you." That that whole thing. Uh, in the same meeting and this meeting with this doctor lasted 10 seconds. Maybe he walked in, said like the hardest stuff I've ever heard in my life and then walked out. And one of the things he said was, um, you're never going to be a dad. So get that idea out of your head. Um, and then went on to the, you need to drop out of college, all this stuff. Um, so it, knowing that that was a huge possibility, which thank God he was wrong. Um, it just makes, you know, when he's screaming at 3am a little bit easier to know that, you know, this is, I would, I would rather have the screaming at 3am than a completely silent house with no kids. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, love him to death. He's he's genuinely the best thing that's ever happened to me. Absolutely. Beyond words, right? You know. Yeah. And John, I mean, you're you're a new you're a new grandpa. How is it uh when the screaming happens at three AM you're you know at Let home me tell you, I was by just yourself there. in a quiet house? Well, see, so yesterday I was in Memphis seeing my grandbaby and he they were putting him down and uh so I go in there and he's crying, 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 crying. The most wonderful thing I was I got to hand him off to his mother. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I was like, he's all yours. I love you, grandson. See you later. Bye. Yep. You know, that's that's the beauty of it is that uh, you know, uh when they're crying like crazy, you can hand them off to the mother and still love them. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. I am I am right at that phase with Liam where he's learned that when he drops things, mommy or daddy has to pick it up. So like we have this huge like play area that's gated and it has like a mattress in it so he can't fall and hurt himself. Um and he has these little it's they're literally just plastic balls that he loves to throw and then he'll crawl and pick it up and then throw it again and crawl and pick it up. And he's learned that if he picks it up and throws it outside of the crib and just screams, one of us has to go and put it back in for him. And immediately he'll grab it, walk to the edge, and then just put a hand over the railing and just drop it and then sit down and start crying. So we'll give it back to him and then he'll pick it up. Hand goes right over the gate, drops it again. And we're like, dude, you have to stop. He started doing that with his binky, um, especially at like public places like restaurants. Mm-hmm. Man, it's he's he's figured us out. When I say he's channeling in his his inner Brian, that's totally something I would do. My parents have told me tons of stories of me doing exactly that, just pushing the boundaries, seeing what you can get away with. Yeah, Has well, your doctor told you that your blood pressure is going up? You know, the doctor uh, hasn't, uh, but my Apple Watch has. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Well, young Jedi, uh, hold the boundary. Yes. (laughs) Hold the boundary to now. Hey, so before we we go, I do want to talk about a couple things that I want you to compare. Yeah. Uh, You've had uh, a lot of experiences since you moved here to Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, last week at the music camp was one experience that I want you to talk about. And I also want to talk about your experience now of playing with Francesca Battistelli. Yeah, you you got it, John. For anybody that's wondering why I keep saying you got it, John, is uh, he, this is the second time I've heard him get the name right. Um, So good job. From Ballerini? (laughs) Yeah, Ballerini. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And you're Italian. Well, it's Battistelli, Ballerini, Linguini. What's the difference? (laughs) It all ends in an I. You'll either you'll nail the first name or you'll nail the last name, but mm. you've never done both at the same time. And it's I think you always say Christine. It's Christine Battistelli or Francesca Ballerini. Which one are you playing with? <laughs> Francesca with- Battistelli. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh yeah, yeah. I get. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know these Italian these Italians anyway. Yeah. So the the music camp was amazing. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. And the the main one for me is I grew up doing all of those music camps, the Catholic, you know, you show up for a week, you play your instrument, you learn the songs, um, and, and then you leave. And 
those were all amazing. Those are some of my favorite memories. But one thing that I think this camp did really, really well was the other ones were so focused on the music that the faith side of it kind of got passed over. It's those were all, this is how you can bring the best level of musicianship back to your home church. Um, and there were certainly aspects of that with this camp, but John, I know just in private conversations we've had, you were like, there needs to be more to this. These kids need to get something spiritual out of this that they can take with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, and in the conversations that I had with some of the kids that came, it really seemed like that happened. Um, so I, I hope it's something that they'll all remember as fondly as I remember the camps I went to, but I, I hope they have something that'll really, really stick with them for the rest of their lives that, you know, it, the whole point was passing it forward. So maybe one day when they're music directors or parents or dealing with a younger generation of any kind, they can kind of pass that lesson forward. Yeah. And then your, your experience uh, being on the, the traveling with, with Francesca and being on that, bigger stage and different arenas kind of thing yeah that's man it's it's a ton of fun um can i just like paint the picture of what that tour looks like john really fast yeah so for anybody who who doesn't know how how this level of touring goes is usually um there's a show thursday friday saturday and sunday night um monday through wednesday you have off so the bus drivers when you get up there um it's like i don't have a better word they're just like nocturnal i guess so they'll be like hey meet us in the croker parking lot at 10 p.m on wednesday night and you show up with all your stuff loaded onto the bus at midnight the bus takes off you crawl in your bunk and go to sleep um and then you'll just wake up 8 9 a.m in the parking lot of the place that you're playing next so the very first leg that we did we went, I, I fell asleep at a church parking lot in Columbia and woke up in a parking lot in Pennsylvania. Um, the The bus drivers will go back to the hotel, fall asleep while you, uh, you set up and sound check and do all that, play the show, um, really quick tear down, and then it, it starts all over again. So bus drivers drive from midnight until you get where you're going um, while you get to sleep. So it's, it's a really nice schedule because you wake up at home like 6, 7 a.m. Monday morning and you have Monday, Tuesday, and basically all day Wednesday with your family. Um, but it, it's amazing because I, I, that's the kind of music that I grew up with was um, that, that vein of Christian music. So just getting to do it now is absolutely incredible. Um, Another big thing is when you get like, so we played Winter Jam in specifically just one show. We were fill-ins for Ann Wilson because she had somewhere else she needed to be that night. Um, but Francesca and I did one acoustic show in Columbus, Ohio. And there were, I don't remember the exact number, mid 20,000 people, 25, 26,000 people there that night. And we closed with Holy Spirit, which I'm assuming most people who listen to this will know that song. Um, and I took out, we, we play with noise canceling headphones um, so we can really hear ourselves without distractions of other noises that are happening. But at the very end, I stopped playing. Franny got off the mic. I got off the mic and we just let everybody else take it. And the sound of 25,000 people all singing together 
when I popped my in-ear out and listened was just, honestly, it was overwhelming. I think both of us left the stage in tears just because of how powerful of a moment it was. Um, but honestly, like that's a dream come true to, to be able to do anything like that. So it, it's been amazing. We've got a couple other shows coming up soon. Um, just small acoustic stuff, just me and her, but it's, it's a good time. That's awesome. So, but do do you find it's different being on those stages than, like, for example, going to mass? Is there is there a difference in in uh, you know because they're both worship, you know, ways of worship? Yeah. Is is there a difference in you know the the approach? Is there a difference in your uh, in intentions of what's happening and all that kind of stuff? Um. And I feel playing like and the way you play is it different? Yeah. Um I Okay, so I'm going to say it's for me being on a stage like that is more and less worshipful at the same time. Um and and the way that I mean that is every time that I step on stage whether it's in church or you know in Columbus, Ohio in some arena um I, I my goal is to be as worshipful as I can. Um, where it's less worshipful for me is I know to some level it people paid to be there and it needs to be at least somewhat a performance, even though the ultimate goal is getting people, you know, to, to worship along with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Mass, you want to be reverent, but... I mean, you have to like look the part when it's a concert, like jumping up and down, running, you know, from the sides of the stage, you know, guitar solos, you're doing the whole, you know, guitars up over your head thing. Um, So you have to put on a performance, which pulls me out of it a little bit, even though I go into it, wanting it to be as worshipful as I can. Um, Now on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, it, it can be more worshipful for me just because I feel like if God's given you a gift, he doesn't want you to have to hold back. Um, and mass, I don't feel like is the place for a guitar solo, even though sometimes I feel like that's what God puts in my heart to play. I just can't do it because I'll get the side eye from the priest. That's like, well, this is your last week playing with us, boy. Um, <laughs> so out, out in, in church, my heart is, in worship and that's the only thing i'm worrying about versus the shows you know there's a lot more going on in my head but i feel like if god puts something in my heart to play it i have the freedom to do it in that perspective so for me i don't i think i i worship both ways um and in different ways almost um but i love it i i i don't want to ever have to give up doing one or the other of them if i had to choose i would give up the road in a heartbeat to help out a local church um but man i love doing both yeah there's something about you know church can be a captive audience Mm -hmm. right i mean people are bringing their kids maybe their kids don't want to be there right now and and you find yourself kind of playing like you're just saying trying to be the all things to everybody you know which a guitar solo may not work for certain folks. And so, you know, you're right. So you kind of hold back on that. Whereas I find that the touring, I mean, in general, your audience is paid to be there or they come because they want to be there. So you, there's an energy there and a positivity about what's happening in the space that everybody's on board with. 
And that's yeah. just, that's something you can't replicate either, you know? No, you can't. It's because every Sunday is, it's, I mean, you never know who's going to come through those doors. You know, they've wrestled their 19 kids to be there. Uh, they're on the verge of a divorce. You know, they, they've just found out their best friends battling cancer. You never know where people are coming from with that. And this, the exact same thing's true with the live performance. But in church, I almost feel like every Sunday I have to win them over somehow. Like, and, and that sounds terrible, especially in a church service. But you do feel like, um, especially visitors in the style of music that I'm doing, they're like, oh, what's he going to do? Like, how's he going to slip up? Where's it takes the opening song prep song sometimes halfway through communion to see people really just like lay back and be able to worship along um, versus you're a hundred percent right. When people have paid to be there, they show up and they're like, I know all the songs. I know what to expect. Um, and, and it seems easier in my head to get people into it. I also find uh, in the Protestant world, it happens a lot, but in the Catholic world, like the verbal cueing mid song doesn't really happen. So like tonight, um, or if you came Friday night, for those of you listening on Sunday, when we get to the worship set of the concert, I do a ton of verbal cues to try to get people to sing along that I don't necessarily feel like I have the free range to do on a Sunday. Well, you know, it's, uh, people are all coming from different places and with different faces. And, yeah. uh, you know, so they're, it, it's amazing what you don't know what people are dealing with. You know, sometimes you think your world is, everybody's world is like yours. And, and uh, um, as you get older and you talk to people, I can't tell you how many people just this week that I've spoken to whose lives you would never guess were a mess. Yeah. And uh, I see them at mass. And now that knowing what I know based off a conversation, it's like, you know, what is the music that I can help them encounter this living God who is present so that healing can begin? Yeah. And they can start to feel uh, mercy and, and, and feel loved. You know, I still think we live in this world where people don't feel that they're loved, you know. Um, Absolutely. In some ways, it's like a global uh, case of uh, of being abandoned. Mm -hmm. I mean, and when you know, when you really get down to the nitty gritty, sometimes you think you're just out here by yourself, spinning on this planet, and and the Creator just left us all alone. And when you feel alone, uh, you know, you start to feel unloved, and then you start to feel unworthy, and then that leads to whatever it takes in order to ease that pain of not feeling loved, you know? So, yeah. you know, which I, I appreciate what you bring to the table because um, I, I know it helps people encounter God and encounter God's mercy and healing and, and that God is truly present, you know, uh, for yeah. those of us that are Catholic, we believe God comes to us present in the sacraments and then we are to become what we receive. And, you know, so what you do technically makes the world a better place. And for that, my friend, I thank you. Thank you, John. So why don't we wait? We got something to close with there, Brian. Got another song for us? Um, I, I, I want to close with a song, but it's not mine. Is that okay? Absolutely. 
Okay, so we were talking about this music camp, and and I think this this song that I'm going to throw out was was definitely a highlight of the camp, um, and you know I think it's touched a lot of hearts, and I think it's got a great message. So, John, if it's cool, can we end with your "We Walk with Faith"? We walk with faith because Brian produced this song, <laughs> and well, the guitar licks are all his on this thing. I wasn't yeah. going to say that, but yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, and that's also available on things. So, Greg, any words of uh, information that we need? Well, or wisdom, if you care to share some wisdom there, Greg. No, I, I was actually just soaking it in that last thing you said about love um, and needing to know that we're loved extravagantly by, by God, you yeah. know, and uh, finding that space, you know, that, that tension, that's man that's it that's it um living real is a ministry of saint philip catholic church and you can find out more about us at stphilipfranklin.com and uh, also you can find our concert in the courtyards uh, right on our homepage. so here's we walk with faith but you can check brian conley out online his new song is out on apple itunes spotify all the social media platforms so please go on and to check out the best is yet to come that you heard in the beginning. So you're listening to Living Real Radio, Radio on Hippie Radio 94.5, brought to you by Closets by Design. Go out and smile at somebody. God bless. Oh, by the way, happy 4th of July. Yeah, happy 4th yeah. of July. We didn't even mention that, but now we are. Whoop. All right. Be safe. God bless. <laughs>
Help us, Lord, through the battles we will face. been listening to Living Real Radio, real issues in real time with your host, John Angotti and Greg Walton. Be sure to tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. to Living Real Radio. Living Real Radio, brought to you by Closets by Design. Imagine your home totally organized. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 615-261-8700. That's 615-261-8700.